Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. look of it, the taste of it, the smell of it, the texture. Love gold so much, we even merged the two WWE championships in an unfortunate schmelting accident. This is the SmackDown Podcast here on the Russell Talk Podcast channel. I'm your host, Tempest, alongside the lovely and beautiful Sat E. Niangi. What time is it, Sat? It is Sat E time on Sat E day. I haven't done that in weeks. I actually forgot I'd do that until you prompted me. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. We are the House of the Black Mask. Who yeah! charged up? I'm ready to go. Dude, it's been weeks. I've missed you. I've missed everyone else. Uh, it's always quite awkward to take time off and then, and, then, and come back and then take time off again. But I'm here. I'm back. I've got a kitten now. I just want to throw that out there. He's got, got a cat. There's a new wrestle cat. There's a new wrestle cat. Yes. Uh, his name is Tunde. His government name is Baba Tunde Kazuchika Kupanyangi. You all better remember that. So we are here to talk about Friday Night Smackdown, the 1,000 days of Roman Reigns and his championship celebration, and more specifically, where that leaves the bloodline. Because on this show, there were a lot of video packages hyping up Roman Reigns' 1,000 days as universal champion. It was like the first five minutes of the show, and then throughout the show, they were showing off highlights of his biggest title matches, his biggest title defenses, all, all that. And throughout the show, you had backstage segments where Paul Heyman was talking to Solo Sokoa, and he said, I'm going to go talk to Adam Pierce, make sure that the Usos are nowhere to be found tonight. And he goes and he talks to Adam Pierce, and Adam Pierce is like, it's okay. Travel's canceled. We've got security measures in place. There will be no Usos. Everything's going to go to plan. That was just a lie. Not even just a lie, but why? Okay, let's just say, all right, you don't want the Usos to be at the ceremony. Can they not wrestle? They're wrestlers. It's a bit bizarre. It's a bit a like, little bit. Right? Who's he to take orders from a wrestler? And his manager, what is he, a crony? It, it was hilarious. Like they didn't, they didn't have no security guys around the around the ring. Uh, security nope. guys nope. for the Usos to to make their way through to get to the ring. Nothing. Nope. So the main event segment of this show started with Triple H coming out and going down to the ring and saying that you know there there are, there are figures in sport that are 
uh, aligned with greatness, Muhammad Ali in boxing, Michael Jordan in the NBA, and right now we are all getting to see greatness live as it happens, and people are going to be telling their kids and their grandkids about Roman Reigns. Hell of a little promo here, even though I think it's quite funny. You know, the funny thing is, you don't watch Raw. On Raw, he said, we need a champion, one that doesn't, you know, occasionally turn up. Then he goes to SmackDown, you're witnessing greatness. What is it, Triple H? Is he an absentee champion, or is he a champion we tell our grandkids about? Make your decision, Triple H. You're hedging your bets, sitting on the fence for too long. I don't like bosses that do that. Tell him to his face. He had Roman in his face, and he didn't tell him to his face that he thinks he's an absentee champion. It's true. Instead, he gave him a new belt. And what a belt. They unveiled the new undisputed WWE Universal Championship, which doesn't make sense because there's a new world champion around, which means he's not undisputed. It's been disputed. It is a disputed WWE Universal Champion. Ridiculousness. But it's the same belt deep. again someone said it, uh, N- nk from wrestling says it looks gold. deep fried it looked deep fried. i've heard so many people <laughs> say what this belt looks like i've heard it be called the mustard belt mustard i like that yeah i've heard it called the the melted butter belt that, i like that too like okay we've had red we've had blue now we have yellow. gold yellow it's a gold belt the big it's a new big gold belt Sort of. He heard he, you want big gold? We'll give you something big and gold, but if you like the design of the belt, more power to you. But my God, they're allergic to having a good belt design these days. Like this century. This century. I won't go this century. There were good belts. Yeah, like big, in, the big the big eagle belt was the good. The big eagle yeah. belt was good. Title. I like the undisputed title one. That's one of my one. favorites. That's, That's one of my a good favorites. belt. Yeah. You know, the Intercontinental title until recently, I think, had a pretty good track Wait record. Wait a minute. I like the the title Gunter currently carries. That it, it's yeah. n- At least not a big, obnoxious W belt. It's not, and I'm glad that it's not, but... I don't know. It's not my favorite. Maybe it's just because I've got, like, it's the same thing with the IWGP belt. I'd probably like it more if it wasn't, like, you know, uh, in my view, a a downgrade from the most previous one. But at the same time, the old Intercontinental title belt, I know we're not meant to be talking about it, is a nostalgia belt because it it was an old design of a previous design. The whole point is to evolve. But the issue with WWE is their title evolution has been crap. Mm -hmm. I agree. But the Intercontinental title is better looking than the current WWE Universal title, whatever. But yeah, as you're saying, I mean, I'm cutting you off. I'm no, 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 no. It's yeah. Their their belt track record as of late hasn't been the best. Abysmal. Yes, that Roman Reigns is given his new belt. Here, we'll take the other two from you. You can have this new one. And I still don't know what that means for the lineages. I don't know what it means for any of those. uh, I'm so glad you brought bits of admin there because I don't think they know. I've heard people say that they're combining the lineages of the two belts, which Mm-mm. previously is not how this has worked. But whatever you need to tell yourself just to not have the lineage of the WWE championship ended. Because I, I, I've been telling myself this all week. I don't want to get angry about really stupid things like this, you know? I hear what you like, mean. I don't want to get invested in the lineage of a fake sports belt. 
I'm with you on that. Right? Like, it's not worth getting worked up over. It's not it's worth getting really triggered. Not. It's not worth getting triggered. But, but <laughs> that being said, if I'm going to watch this stupid show about this stupid fake sport, mm. I want some things to matter. I want some things to be sacred. And I feel like that thing is sacred. And I feel like we're only having this discussion about lineages and such because the record-setting title reign for Roman Reigns is the universal title. Which is his own lineage. Right. If that belt, if he had won the WWE Championship first, that right? That would be great. <laughs> and he then won the Universal title second. So, like, the WWE Championship reign was the mm. one that had hit a thousand days and mm. counting and everything. Mm -hmm. Then we probably would have just done away with the Universal title yes. and, like, combined them. And, okay, that belt is retired. Yeah. But we can't say that because that would mean that his yeah. thousand day title reign would stop. We can't have that, of course. But regardless, this is all it's not regardless. I've been, you know what? I've I been know. thinking. I've been thinking about it too. Yes, I've, I have a real life. I have a job. I've got partner. I got a child, and I got a kitten. But stuff like that still bites me in the buttocks because his thousand day reign is for the universal title. It's a separate lineage, so he's, he has not surpassed Pedro Morales' title reign. That is a lie. That is a bogus claim, and they want us not to look at the internet and see the truth of it. And like you said. They would have ditched Universal title if they didn't realize the four part they made the whole time, which is quite awkward. Because yes. I don't even like the name. Un I'm, I'm I'm a traditionalist. If it's a, is it a world title or not? What is Universal? Champion of the universe. Do you want to be champion of the universe? I mean, wouldn't you? Fine, I'm Galaxy World Champion. I'm WrestleTalk's Galaxy World Champion. There you go. I remember Brian Danielson saying that on Talking Smack. It was good. But the point of this segment, however, yeah. is not the reveal of the big mustard belt, but rather what came after that. Because immediately after, the Usos came out, like we said, screw you, Adam Pierce, and your security, because that might as well not have existed. The Usos come down to the ring, and this is where this segment actually really gets good. Triple H leaves. He's not needed for this. The Usos get in the ring. And they're talking. Jimmy Uso is the one who does most of the talking. But Roman tells Jay to super kick his brother. Because Jimmy super kicked him. So he says, super kick your brother. Make this right. And Jay's pacing. And you know he's torn and everything. But he's not going to do it. He's not going to turn on his brother. All of this, everything, has been about the Usos caring about each other more than Roman. Of course, there's conflict there and such. But... This then turns into Jimmy saying that brothers don't manipulate. Brothers don't betray you. He starts talking to Solo. Says, Solo, he's going to betray you. He's going to manipulate you. He's going to cast you aside as soon as he's done with you. Jimmy pie faces Roman Reigns. The bit that Roman had done to him at the pay-per-view and before on SmackDown and done to everybody whenever he starts getting worked up and throwing his, his power around. This mm -hmm. was fascinating television. Because we continue down this way. We give the microphone to Solo. And Solo, because Roman's like, he can speak for himself. You don't need to speak for Solo. He gives the, the, the mic to Solo. He says, I acknowledge you, my tribal chief. But what? <gasps> those are my brothers. Goes across the ring. And I believe, no, it was the pie face thing that had people chanting, holy S-word. So anytime you've got people hanging on a segment like this, that is a job well done. Because, you know, we saw the same thing with the 
I don't give a damn about what the Tribal Chief said segment last year. That was funny. There are a lot of really good segments like that where you mm. can tell people are are totally, totally locked into what's going on in the ring in a promo segment, which is not what happens all the time, including earlier on the show, which we'll get to. But with all three Usos now aligned on the same side of the ring, mm -hmm. Roman is stood there by himself alongside Paul Heyman, but by himself bloodline-wise. And Jimmy starts talking about, it doesn't have to be this way, man. We can still be the ones. We can still be the bloodline. We can run this place like we've been doing. And he offers a, he offers a hug. He's just like, listen, just chill, chill out. Chill the F out. And Roman is starting to get all worked up and he's making it look like he's crying and he hugs Jimmy and they embrace and the crowd's kind of like, uh, no, it said it was a pop. Though. There was a pop, but it wasn't like, you know, like when Sammy and Jay hugged, like they've, they've united. This was kind of like, yeah, we, we don't like Roman though. In the heel way, like we don't like this guy. He's bad news. Or he's not gonna turn face that easily. He's not gonna turn about like that. And sure enough, Roman holds the mic up and he just says, No. And he pulls away and solo Samoan spikes Jimmy, leaves him laying. Everybody goes crazy in the crowd. They leave. And the show goes off the air there with Solo and Roman and Paul Heyman walking up the ramp. No no Rikishi, no Wild Samoans. So any any talk of the extended bloodline being present for this, not the case. This was a WWE bloodline segment. But very good television, I thought. It was fresh. It was interesting because we have new character dynamics now with the Usos and Roman Reigns opposing one another. Civil war, baby. A civil war, a bloodline civil war. It was very different from all of the other ones that we've seen, which, I mean, since WrestleMania has mm. been the talk of the bloodline crumbling, oh, but yeah. we've not seen yeah. any of it until very recently. But now we actually do get to see the fallout of Jimmy Uso's decision at Night of Champions. Now we see where Solo's allegiances lie, at least for now. And all of this I thought was very well done, Seth. You know, I just wanted to add, and towards the end, Paul Heyman, as he's walking down the ramp with Solo and Roman Reigns, he says to, to Tribal Chief, what about Jay? What mm -hmm. about Jay? And Roman goes, Jay will do what he's always done, which is... Fall in line. Yes. So Roman fully expects Jay to eventually turn on his brother, as Solo has, and join him on the island of relevancy. The whole, the whole thing was very, very well put together. I do think, yeah, what was missing was the elders. We, we haven't had mm -hmm. one. It's, you know, besides when the early days of the tribal chief, when you had Arthur and Seeker come out and present uh, Roman with delay, we haven't really seen a lot of the extended family members. It would be great. Because uh, imagine the amount of times WWE pimps out the legends. <laughs> Every six months, there's some sort of legend reunion. You get Sergeant Raw Slaughter. Reunion. You get your- The, the you Raw know, anniversary. Teddy Biasi, Sergeant Slaughter, your IRSs, whatever. It would be nice for once if they did do a segment and they got members of the Ananawi family there that would have been even better that would have been even great you see how the elders are reacting because we hear we hear from paul Heyman or solo himself 
or even Roman, how the elders are feeling. I don't want to see the elders. I don't want to hear them talk. I want to hear how they're feeling about the conflict going on amongst the family members. That would have been another great added wrinkle. Maybe it's coming soon because we don't know if this match is going to happen at Money in the Bank or SummerSlam. You'd think it would be Money in the Bank because it will give Roman a a rest from defending the title again. And then he can have a big match at SummerSlam, possibly one of the Usos. Who knows? I don't know. But the whole segment was great. Like you said, post-WrestleMania, the whole Bloodline segment was like, I don't say it was flatline, but it was like in ICU, it was in a coma. It was not dead. It just was, it was kind of It was on, on hold. It was like, on It's pause, hard yeah. to get invested in this story when Roman Reigns isn't there. Yeah. Because you know, the story doesn't progress when Roman isn't there. No. It doesn't, pro- yeah. And it's always like, oh, he's watching at home. Oh, he's not happy. It is, it's more to do with Roman's schedule being different from everyone else. But it goes to show you when Roman Reigns is around, the bloodline storyline takes, goes up a notch, goes, you know, takes a, a whole giant leap, a whole giant step. Uh, I, I enjoyed the whole thing. And even down to the whole solo turning on his brothers, it like it, it seemed too good to be true. But I also gauge crowd reactions because crowd reactions are crucial to if a wrestler's gonna get pushed or not. Because you'd argue it was. I'm gonna take this back to another storyline. There was another group called Evolution, right? So at, at at that point, it was Randy Orton was kicked out. It was Batista, Ric Flair, and Triple H. So but they did a fake thing where Triple H and Batista had a falling out, and they were gonna fight each other. And then Rome, and then it was it was all it was all down to sucker Randy Orton. That's what we found in the end to sucker him, so they beat him up. But at the time when people believe in that Batista saw the light and he was against Triple H, he got the biggest reaction he's ever got his entire career. Because mm-hmm. up until then, you would argue that Batista was the least over member of Evolution at point but when they did the fake um breakup fans were invested in but you're like oh batista as a baby face you know we, we're with it so they were trying to gauge a solo i feel like if you left the um the promo for like another i don't know 20 seconds you may have got big solo chance because they'll the crowd was trying to do solo chance because solo doesn't get chanted that much so it's kind of like how do we chant him is it sokoa or is it solo Oh, what are we chanting? Solo? So they're trying to get a little, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because when you chant for a wrestler, it's like, what are we going with? Sikoa. No, no, so, solo, right? Solo, solo. Because the Usos got chanted because Jimmy was in the talking. And as much as Jay gets the chant, Jay, Jay, Jay. And then, you know, you give it to Jimmy. They're like, well, we like both of you. So, ooh, so, ooh, mm-hmm. so. But yeah, Solo, I feel like if this storyline is done well, he could walk out being the next big babyface star. But it's kind of also kind of tricky because they want Roman Reigns to be a babyface. So it's, it's, it's also, there's all these nuggets you're, you're seeing about Usos can turn babyface, but what if the, all three brothers turn heel on Roman in the end? That's mm-hmm. what I'm also thinking as well. But overall, great segment. It's another one of those fun segments where you do get to see this, a large development in this story. And it does kind of reinvigorate your want to just be like, oh, what are they going to do next? Mm. Well, what's the next match going to be? Oh, is is, is Jay going to end up turning on Roman to side with his brother? And then how long before Solo turns? Or or what what's, what's, what's going to happen? And that, to me, has been the most fun aspect of the Bloodline story over the last year. It's when are they going to turn on Sammy? How are they going to turn on Sammy? Is Sammy and Jay, like, what happens with that dynamic? And then we see all these things, and it leads to great segments, and it's very fun. I really enjoy all that. And I think by far it was the highlight of this show because this was, again, a very promo package heavy episode of SmackDown, Mm. really highlighting Roman Reigns and his uh, 1,000 day plus reign at this point. But we will get into the rest of our SmackDown review here. Let us know what you think has, uh, 
You let us know what you thought of the 1,000-day celebration here at uh, SmackDown Roman Reigns Day in the comments down below. Make sure to like. They this should have done more, like the staging. Yeah. They should have. They should have wore suits or something. I mean, I've seen past uh, celebrations. Vince McMahon had a celebration in '98. Um, I remember the, the Rock vs. Your Life. There, there wasn't enough balloons and there wasn't enough. There was enough pyros. <laughs> That they, we did get pyro, but I yeah, thought there, there wasn't enough. I thought there would have been confetti and yeah, exactly. Where, where, where's the golden confetti for the gold? For the gold. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we'll get into the rest of the podcast starting now because we had our opening match here, which was the Brawling Brutes versus Austin Theory and Pretty Deadly. Now, Austin Theory started this show. This was another weird pacing bit where they did the first opening promo package where they said, oh, a thousand days. It's incredible. And then they cut to the ring and Austin Theory's got a mic like, OK, and now we start. Nope, we've got another promo package to go to first. And they did that. And then they went back to the ring. Who knows how long poor Austin Theory was was stood there. But eventually we get the promo from Austin Theory, and it's a typical Austin Theory promo segment. Mm. Welcome to 
Austin Theory Live and, and such. And he welcomes out pretty deadly, and they banter a little bit, and then they bring out the Brawling Brutes to start this six-man tag match. And I thought this was a fun match. You had some good stuff. Like, everybody brawled out to the floor. Ridge Holland took out the heels on the floor, and then Sheamus kind of hit a, a diving-ish clothesline from the top rope to the floor, and then Butch hit a, a moonsault. A moonsault. Uh, all good stuff. They went to commercial. It was a good break. And then they went back, and we had another very clever finish. And you mentioned that they did this in NXT as well, but I really like how Pretty Deadly are kind of carving out a little niche for themselves on SmackDown as just the tag team that has, like, more creative than usual heel finishes. It's not just, oh, we distract the referee, and one guy hits a low blow, and then you roll him up, and that's it, or whatever. In this case, you had... I can never get them separate in my mind. No. Elton Prince is the blonde one. Kit Wilson is a brunette. I promise you, I will not remember this. Because I think of Elton Prince, I think of Elton John and Prince. So I have to remember that's the blonde one. Kit, I think of a Kit Kat litter. Litter is brown. So Kit Wilson, brown hair. You just got kittens on your mind. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Regardless, Kit Wilson, in that case, was the legal man. But he swaps out with Elton Prince and get. And he puts the ring skirt over his head. So Ridge Holland thinks that he's the legal man as he's distracted with Seamus getting put into the post. Fast forward. Things happen. And then Kit Harrington. <laughs> Wilson. Kit Wilson. <laughs> Hits a chop block on Ridge Holland, and then Elton John removes the thing. <laughs> Prince. And they hit they hit spilt milk. Dude. And then they tag in Austin Theory, who gets the pin. So very gracious of them to allow their, their new heel friend to, to get their pin for them. Good stuff. Fine opening tag match. I'm still not terribly into Austin Theory or his ta uh. or his US title run. Somebody put on Twitter like a few days ago, like Oh, nobody's talking about how Austin Theory is like surpassed 200 days as U.S. champion. It's because like, who cares? Like, could you name me a title defense from that whole thing other than Cena at WrestleMania? Like, I guess I guess there's like, I guess he did it in the chamber, but like, I don't remember anything he did in the chamber. I remember what everybody else did. And regardless, it's just not been a very captivating reign. I'll be interested to see where we go next with that and, and such. But regardless, we, we move. A solid, fun opening six-man tag. I think all shows should open with six-man tags because they're always fun. Backstage, we had one of the Paul Heyman. Any thoughts on that, by the way? He said Elton John and Kit Harrington. I'm still not over that. That, that should be a bit that you go with. Alongside saying Walter, say Kit Harrington. Listen, and if, if they're going to give them the most generic English names possible... I'm just gonna go with it. Go like, with it. Fine. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, I love the new theme that Pretty Deadly have. It's got vocals on it, and it, it matches their their personality. That's what has been missing when theme songs matches the wrestler. Not like mm -hmm. this is a generic theme number five. Five wrestlers have used it. You're gonna use it now. The theme, you know, fits them. And I like the slow mo or the Joe mo. <laughs> The Joe motion as they have when mm -hmm. they come out in the ring. They're so charismatic, and it, it I feel like it also highlights how dull and nondescript Austin Theory is. Mm -hmm. When you put a tag team that's so charismatic, they've only been on the main roster for a few weeks. I feel like they're already embedded into the main roster really, really well. Sure. Alongside Grayson Waller. They've, I feel like uh, these uh, call-ups 
excluding Apollo Crews. They've uh, acclimated really well in a new space. And I, and I, I look forward to the tag feuds that um, Pretty Deadly can have with the other tag teams in the division. I'm hoping that after the Imperium feud, that, you know, the wild Sam Owens will have a feud with Pretty Deadly next. Because I can see the promo, Kevin Owens, not, not <laughs> pointed yeah. up with the BS of Pretty Deadly. Two tasty snacks on Snackdown. Come on, that is a feud waiting to happen. Um, Brawling Brutes, I feel like they, they're spinning their wheels. Unless they give him a great um, trios feud, I, I, I'm starting to think maybe it is time. They're all three of these guys have a separation, a permanent one. Butch can be Pete Dunne again. Uh, Ridge can be someone else's heavy, no offense, because Ridge... Although he's improved as a wrestler in terms of, of a personality, he's the third liked member of the Brawling Brute because but Pete Dunne's Pete Dunne. Sheamus has got, you know, a, a renaissance in his career. And Ridge the Fridge is just known as Ridge the Fridge. Unless they give him a gimmick, he's an actual fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Like, Sheamus has... They were chanting for him a lot. Like, he was getting the We Want Sheamus chants during mm. this match as he was about to make his hot tag, which is great for him. But, again, I'm not going to bring this up every week. But he is lost without the the character agency that was him chasing the Intercontinental title. You know, that was like something real, something believable, something that he wanted, has been very public in saying that he wanted. And now he just doesn't really have that goal in front of him. He doesn't have that character motivation right now. And there's a million different things they could do with that. But I do think something needs to be done to freshen up the Brawling Brutes because they are a good little package right now. But I'm ready to see Pete Dunne be Pete Dunne and get to wrestle long matches against whoever it's going to be. But I, I, we'll see. I often say, you know how, what the office thinks of you if they let a makeshift tag team beat you. Mm -hmm. I mean, pretty deadly in Austin, in Austin Free, they barely know each other, you know, and they, like, and they beat the Brawling Brutes quite easily mm -hmm. that says a lot about how the group stock has kind of fallen so like you said either they turn heel and become vicious brawling brutes again or the new vicious brawling brutes <laughs> or they break up and go their separate ways because i feel like like you say it's just they're just there now i like their their, their uh, football jerseys they're wearing but besides that it's like how many heel groups gonna put their way and it's like they don't really have feuds they just have matches and backstage segments which in their mind if they think is a feud it's not a feud it's just like here's something for this week or for the next two weeks yeah yeah and like you said Seamus without going for the internal title it's true it's like what's next for him I assumed the fact that him and Lashley are kind of within each other's orbit is going to turn into like a hoss feud between mm -hmm. Lashley and Seamus for who's going to go after Austin Theory for the title because I do think Seamus may potentially win the United States title again even though he won it I know your face is make because it's kind of like it's like it's fine but but what do you do with Seamus if you don't yeah. win the United States title that's yeah. the question though because you don't you don't as much as you're, you're cheering for him, Roman hasn't faced him yet. Even though they, they alluded to Royal Rumble potentially being Sheamus versus Roman. Let's do that for SummerSlam. There we go. Answer the question. SummerSlam, Sheamus versus Roman. Cool. What's the next segment? Sure. Uh, the next segment was one of the backstage deals where Paul Heyman talked to Sola Sokoa. And then we had the OC versus Hit Row. Now, hmm. I was interested in seeing what was going to happen in this match because i was scrolling twitter yesterday 
and just being like, God damn, they're going at it. They're, they're being mean. I was waiting for a report to come out that Triple H had to call a talent meeting and be like, all right, guys, calm down. Enough of this. Because they were bringing up Swerve and the whole deal. Very, very entertaining Twitter television. But in this match, it was pretty straightforward. You know, the, the OC beat hit row clean, easily. They hit the magic killer on Ashante the Adonis and got the win. Not much to it. Top dollar got in the ring afterwards and kind of, you know, got uh, knocked him out of the ring only to be hit with a phenomenal forearm from AJ Styles. And that was it. Sure. Cool. Whatever. They did a backstage bit beforehand where AJ Styles was like, nah, I lost. Lost the pay-per-view. Oh, well, we, we move on. Ah. It's his birthday. AJ Styles is 46 years old. Just say happy birthday, AJ. We love you, man. We've seen you grow up in, 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 in the company, in the industry. Going back to what you said about Hit Row, Twitter, and Mia Yim. Just in case you guys don't have Twitter, that's what we're talking about. So I came in close, halfway through what it was happening. Someone mentioned, alluded, TD. I was like, who's TD and Swerve? Swerve, oh, why are you bringing Swerve in? TD. I was like, who's TD? And then someone goes, top, oh, top dollar. So I, I legit typed in top dollar on Twitter to find out what the issue is. So Hit Row, as you guys know, Hit Row did a diss for the OC. And then Mia Yim, as you know, Mia Yim and Shelton Benjamin, they have a banter back and forth. So Mia Yim is a professional when it comes to clapping back because <laughs> she claps back a lot at her surrogate big brother, Shelton Benjamin. Mm -hmm. So for her, clapping back with ease. So Mia Yim made a comment because uh, B-Fab called Mia Yim mid-chin, playing her name, mid-chin. So she said, you know, paraphrasing, you know, you and your little boys or whatever, go about your business or whatever. And then Top Dollar put on a meme, which is one of the characters from The Office. I don't know his name. He's got no hair and he put thumbs down. And then Miriam goes, that's the same reaction the, the, the people have when you guys come out with that swerve. Ooh, snap. Yes. So that burn, that diss, for, no matter what you say afterwards, you can't come back from that. That's like a KO. So they brought up swerve. And of course, Top Dollar being... Top dollar, he didn't want to let that lie. He's saying, oh, you stole that tweet. Like, that guy stole everything from us. So he's alluding to the fact that Swerve stole probably aesthetic. Is it the face mask he's wearing? Yeah, I think that's what he was getting at. He, yes. wears, he wears, like, the balaclava and stuff. Yeah, the ski now. mask thing. Yeah. Maybe it's that. But, yeah, he bringing Swerve into it. Because Swerve got nothing to do with it. But, you know, me, you know, Miriam came up with a great quip to take him down. But now, all of a sudden, B-Fab's saying, oh, you know, um, Swerve used your husband being Keith Lee like he used us and then me and him goes if if anyone was going to use anyone what would they use you basically as in what would they use hit road to elevate themselves so again me and him came in with the and that escalated on Twitter to the point where it became uncomfortable and then I thought of the quote of a certain wrestler who said you worked yourself into a shoot <laughs> brother so it looked like it was a shoot so if you don't have Twitter that is my recap I should have did it on Wrestle Talk News but I didn't we got it here. Thank you. So we move on, but I thought that all was very interesting. <laughs> it is me and Yim. Never tweet bad things on me and Yim. She'll make you rethink your life, you know, your life story. Made, made me like me and Yim even more. Me and Yim came with the with the heat. Yeah. So we had Adam Pierce talking to Paul Heyman backstage and just lying to his face. And then we got the Grayson Waller effect. Now, the previous episode or the previous edition of the Grayson Waller effect was Hot garbage. Who's who's in that one? It was him and AJ Styles. Oh, you didn't like that one? No. God, no. Because AJ Styles comes on and he asks him like a couple of like questions. nothing questions. Just like, 
oh, what would winning the World Heavyweight Championship mean to you? And he's like, oh, it would mean everything to me. I've been training real hard and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Grayson Waller just says, like, oh, man, I can't wait. And also, I can't wait for the end of the match when the announcer says, and new World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins. He was right, though. He was right. But AJ Styles then, like, stood up and it looked like something was going to happen. And then that was just the end of the segment. Like, it was one mild ass zinger from Grayson Waller was the whole point of the segment. So they had uh, a low bar to try and surpass here with this, this segment here. And I think they did that where his guest this time was Asuka new raw women's champion, Asuka. And she comes out and she's talking exclusively in Japanese. Great. Cool. Uh, yeah, very much so. And Grayson Waller was saying like, haha, I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, except with an Australian accent and such. And it was pretty much just that for a little while. But he brings up Money in the Bank, which brings out EO Sky. Now, this was very interesting because I always love seeing these two on camera together because they just shout at each other in Japanese. And mm-hmm. it's, it's on site every time. It is. I find this very entertaining. I like this a lot. I don't like the people in the crowd giving them the what treatment because I hate that chant. But especially, I don't want to compare shows, but especially right after the excellence that was the Kanosuke Takeshita segment on on Dynamite this week, where they just let the Japanese guy speak in Japanese and cut a promo. And and, it got heel heat. And it got heel heat. Mm. Here they just... They just gave him the what treatments? Ignorance. Yeah. What nonsense. chant uh, is an ignorant chant? Is that what, what? I was like, are you dumb? Why are you saying what a lot? You're not but, Steve Austin. Yeah. But anyway, this yeah. then did, it was the classic Money in the Bank set up segment where all the people who are going to try and qualify come out one after another and say, no, I'm going to win Money in the Bank. No, I'm going to win Money in the Bank. So Bailey came out. And she was like, yeah, EO, she said that she or I is going to win money in the bank and cash in on Asuka. I like that. Which is clearly not what EO was saying. But Bailey is great at what she does. And this happens. Then Shotzi comes out and says no, no person is better suited for money in the bank than her. If you saw last year's match, you know that's not true. Yeah. Lacey Evans comes out next. It's going to hat. Boo. It's going to hat. Boo hiss. Screen your hat. Can't believe it. Hiss. She, is there a cobra on that hat as well? Hiss. I'm not going into a Lacey Evans right here. The next time they make a promo package for her, I will actively turn off the show. Regardless, she comes out. Then Zelina Vega comes out and says, ah, all of you are making the mistake of underestimating me just like Rhea Ripley did. And I always find that so funny because it's like, Rhea Ripley beat you. I get that it was a more competitive match than she just had with Natalia and whatever, but like you lost. But whatever. This then led into Oscar retreating up the ramp and Bianca Belair attacking her from behind. They had to do a pull apart brawl with security and referees and such. And this was solid enough stuff. You know, they went to the back and the next match was Zelina Vega versus Lacey Evans in our Money in the Bank qualifying match. Uh, in the middle of all of this, however, they said that this was uh, this is when they hyped up Baron Corbin returning to NXT. I don't want to get into it. He attacked Carmelo Hayes, poor Carmelo Hayes, and then backstage, Car- uh, Cameron Grimes says, "Ah, oh, that Baron Corbin. Next time I see him around on SmackDown, I'm gonna take care of him." 
And then we got our match between Zelina Vega and Lacey Evans, where during the commercial and all of this backstage nonsense, Lacey Evans hit the women's right to take down Zelina before the match. You just you, you recapping that shows how much of a pacing issue WWE have. To yes, the point where this I'm, wasn't a good week for their pacing. To the point I was like, what? Is he skipping things? Wait, what's got, wait, what? What? And I was like, wait, that's because I just watched it mm-hmm. <laughs> recently as we, you know, before we recorded this. I was like, that did happen. I thought it was the other way around. It makes more sense if it was after the match. But anyway, Cameron Grimes, what are they doing to you? So far, his main roster run has been okay. But he's got so much more charisma. There's more layers to him. The whole, I'm a rah-rah baby face. And the next time he comes to match, he already beat Corbin. What is In he, seconds. Why does he care what Corbin's doing with his life? It would, make, it would make more sense if he lost to Corbin. Now he's been embarrassed because he's a free agent. He can't get a hold of him. Right? But you've beaten the guy. Why do you care what he does with his spare time? They need to give Kyman Grimes much better character motivation. We've seen a wrestler. If you're if you're a wrestling fan and watch Impact Wrestling or TNA, whatever you want to call it, you know about Trevor Lee. You know how much of a great wrestler he is and how much he can be a vicious heel. Or if you watch NXT, you can see he can be a vicious or comedic heel. Or if you saw it towards the end, became a whiny baby face. And, and it's kind of like the Dolph Ziggler thing when they gave him a whiny baby face, rah, rah, when they do it for the people. It's not going to work. They're going to turn against him. I don't want people to turn against him that early. I want him to be the best version of himself. Right now, it's not the best version of Cameron Grimes. If that's your introduction to him, I'm sorry. He's much better than what you're seeing. In terms of the women, if it was a couple of years ago, and you had Zelina versus Lacey Evans, you'd be like, Psst, Lacey's going to win this because she was golden child for Vince McMahon. You know, a lot of times gone, there's a lot of uh, power struggles in terms of power of who has the creative pen for this. Lacey Evans lost. She will not be in money in the bank. So I'm bringing up Lacey Evans because she was clearly was a project, a pet project for Vince McMahon or even Triple H at one point because her first feud was against Becky Lynch. You've mentioned it before. She's had many character development changes. She's had many different vignettes. To re, you know, the new vicious Lacey Evans. This this Lacey Evans now does Cobra clutches, and then now this Lacey Evans post draft wears hats with a Cobra on it, and she still can't catch a break and win. So it's either you put Lacey in a tag team, so you need to find another female to put in a tag team, someone that's like an understudy, like in a boot camp of Lacey something, because they invest time in her, because. We're at that point where she's been on the main roster for quite a while. She's had many char- character changes. It'll come to the point where they might have to cut the losses soon if they cannot find a reason to have her on TV or win or anything. Wait, hey, Zelina won. Continue the momentum of LWO. I like that. Yeah, and this was a short match. Um... Lacey Evans tried to get the Cobra Clutch on a number of points, uh, had it on, but Zelina Vega was able to fight out and hit the code red and get the win. Again, short match, but it led to a backstage segment immediately afterwards where Santos Escobar and the rest of the LWO are all together like, yeah, you did it, you did it, yeah. And next week, I, Santos Escobar, I'm going to qualify for Money in the Bank too. I'm going to beat Mustafa Ali. Can't you just see it? And Rey Mysterio pops his head in the middle and he's like, I can see it. Mr. and Miss it, which makes it sound like they're married right they're, they're not but mr and mrs money in the bank yeah lwo i know you said yeah right before an la night match that made me laugh yeah <laughs> Where you did it. But, but question yes santos and mustafa ali two guys that need the victory right mm. santos hasn't had a signature victory as a singles competitor since turning babyface and mustafa ali's mustafa ali there's some days where it looked like they're gonna push him and there's some days when they don't yeah, it, this is tough because now they've done it with 
a pair of men's qualifying matches. And it's interesting seeing what we've gotten next week because they announced a, a slew of Money in the Bank qualifying matches, one of which is like Butch versus Baron Corbin, which is curious. I don't know who's going to win that one. I've mm. got my preference for sure. But it is interesting where they seem to be doing a lot of these qualifying matches where it really does feel like they could put all the people in the match and it would be a solid enough decision. And I guess that speaks to the state of their roster and how that's, you know, pretty good. Because mm. I would like to see both Santos Escobar and Mustafa Ali in this ladder match. I would, I would have liked to have seen both Montez Ford and LA Knight in this ladder match. And we'll get to their qualifying match shortly. But it is interesting. I wonder what the final picture of the Money in the Bank ladder match, the final lineup is going to be. You, you said it's going to be Butch versus Corbin. Easily, Butch is going to win for many reasons. Either Butch beats him clean or Cameron Grimes plays a part in Butch winning. You can, yeah, speak it into existence for me, brother. I, I would like that very much. <laughs> bless you. Bless you. I'm going to speak into existence. I think that Butch is going to win and Corbin's going to be incredulous. Like, why did I lose? I don't understand this. But yeah, this money in bank looks healthy. There's a lot of speculation. They, they might do a last chance battle royal, something mm -hmm. like that, for a final person to join the, the um, competitors in this uh, money in the bank that's coming up. Because Montez Ford should be in it. Absolutely. I, I like Ricochet. I want, you know, give Ricochet a chance. But I know what Ricochet does in ladder matches. Because no, I'm not saying that all, all rest with similar skill set. Uh, let's not put them all of them together. Just pick one. I'm just saying that I know what Ricochet can do. Ricochet can take cannot do it maybe let Mustafa do it uh, it, it, it sounds bad because it, it sounds like I'm generalizing hey you're a high flyer you're a high flyer it's going to be one of you there can't be two of you at the same time there can be multiple guys but if the space is limited I'd rather see guys that don't often get in ladder matches that's what I'm trying to get at mm -hmm. no I agree you know it, it looks like it's going to be a pretty fun lineup one way or the other but we will see as we move closer to the event there's still a a few weeks left and many qualifying matches left to go because we got our first one here for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match between Montez Ford and L.A. Knight. Yeah. yeah. So there's been a lot of talk the last few weeks about L.A. Knight and the reactions he has slash has not, if WWE is to be believed, have been getting. Because last week, of course, he came out for his segment and the I, I made a real point of talking about this on the podcast last week because it was hilarious how badly they they tuned down the cheers and up the booze. Like you could literally hear them go, yeah, like uh, appalling stuff. I've hit the mic. Appalling stuff. And it was a big topic of discussion in the podcast and on the Wrestle Talk News and everything. And apparently backstage as well, because they've taken note. This was also, of course, when Triple H was interrupted at the press conference for Night of Champions, talking about whatever he was talking about, and everybody could chant L.A. Night. So L.A. Night is getting a lot of fan support right now, and this was no different. There were signs in the crowd for L.A. Night. He was getting lots of chants at the start of the match, so much so that he stopped and like kind of acknowledged them for a moment. And if he's doing that, that probably means he's not been told to like ignore any of the cheers. You're supposed to be a heel, damn it. You know, it, it. I feel like we're making headway with this. The people are being heard. But this match was, again, fun. This was solid enough stuff. And it ended with 
Both men going for their finishers. Montez Ford goes for the frog splash, and he misses. And L.A. Knight goes for the BFT, and he misses as Montez Ford rolls him up, the backwards, like, victory roll thing. And then L.A. Knight rolls through that and grabs onto the middle rope in order to get the leverage and get the pin. So Montez Ford does not qualify for the Money in the Bank ladder match. L.A. Knight, yeah, moves on to the Money in the Bank ladder match. Will he win? Who knows? Depends if Cody's involved, really. But so far... A good sign for L.A. Knight. Cautiously optimistic. Funny enough, when he had a feud with Bray Wyatt, that was my response. I was optimistic the whole time. I said that he's going to come out of the storyline smelling like roses, and I was right. Uh, sort of. <laughs> he got over with the people, but he did nothing between now and no, when that ended. It, it, again, that's nothing to do with him. Every time he's on screen... He monetizes those minutes. I right? agree. He's one of those people, you put him in a crap feud, he monetizes the heck. He's a, he's great at capitalizing at things. It's kind of like you, you're going to team up with a, a, a clown and a mime. He'll find a way to make the clown and the mime work in his skit. He made Boogs work for that week or so as a you know, makeshift tag team. What I'm trying to get at is that LA Knight, when given the opportunity, knocks out the park. I hope the old man and Triple H see what they have in LA Knight because even his NXT run he feuded with Grayson Waller and lost all the matches when he was a babyface so I'm a bit worried that Grayson Waller the guy that he cannot beat they're gonna have a, a, a similar <laughs> feud again you know what I'm saying yeah and he's gonna lose again I don't want him to lose because it's now or never to push LA Knight what I found what I found right you can, I had a late night and I'm trying to like style it out but you, you guys can probably for having a, like, a kitten, kitten. And a baby. <laughs> and it, yeah, that's my life. Okay. So what I found interesting was the dynamic between uh, LA Knight and Montez Ford in that match. I felt like it called an audible. They saw the reaction that, that LA Knight was having with the crowd. That, so LA Knight wrestled more like a baby face in the match until the end he kind of switched back to being a heel. Because Montez Ford had a more of a heel kind of snarl during the match. Mm -hmm. And then that was impressive because there's been rumors and chatter online and on forums and on websites that allegedly that um, Street Profit and, and Bianca may allegedly turn Hill down the line in, in the upcoming autumn or winter months. That's fun. So Montez Ford, because we've never seen Street Profit as a heel. For me, I'm, it's like before you break up a tag team, I'm like, use up all the dynamics. Babyface and heel, once you've done both, then you can break them up. Street Profit's been lovable babyfaces. It, was, it would be great to see them as snarling heels and what they can do, especially Montez. In this match, he's more aggressive. He looked at the crowd kind of like, yeah, this is the guy you're cheering for. Okay. So his demeanor wasn't like the happy-go-lucky Montez you usually see. You saw Montez with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I thought that was fascinating, the fact that they altered the match because of the crowd reaction. And I would like to see Street Profits as heels and Bianca, NXT Bianca. She was great as a heel. Speaking of NXT Bianca, I believe this was a backstage segment that was done either for social media or WWE.com or whatnot. But she had a little bit more of an edge to her as well as she gets interviewed backstage about what happened on this show. And I saw a lot of people being like, ooh, it looks like NXT Bianca is making a comeback here, which is what a lot of people have wanted. They've wanted a more heelish edge because, of course, people were starting to boo Bianca after such a dominant babyface run. Now maybe we'll get that. It, it's... If any time is the time, now might be the time. 
for me, I, I was found it was a miracle they actually made uh, Bianca Belair as a um, straight laced baby face work because what made people love Bianca was she was so arrogant. Mm -hmm. She EST wasn't like I'm EST because of confidence and ability. No, I'm EST because I'm better than everyone. That's what got her over is because she knew she was incredible. But on the main roster as a baby face, it, it's like she could have come across obnoxious. So they had to knock off the arrogance and give her more of a humble edge and she's been riding with it with the hum you know she's been humble by everything which worked in the beginning to the point where people got tired of like stop being a nice happy go lucky baby face her having the edge her losing the title is one of the best things that ever happened oh my gosh taking the title off someone can actually add to the character WWE take notes mm -hmm. uh, but yeah so I'm too can't wait to see what Bianca does next I assume it's going to be money in the bank it's going to be Asuka versus Bianca again and possibly Oscar wins again, and that leads to Bianca's downward spiral into being bitter and angry and mean. Can't wait to see it. But that does indeed wrap up our SmackDown review here on the Russell Talk podcast because all that was left on this show was Roman Reigns' 1000 Day Championship celebration, which we have already talked about. So we now have a few more weeks before Money in the Bank. And some very interesting things have happened on this show this week that will continue to build throughout the month of June until we get to the wonderful pay-per-view on July 1st, Canada Day. Woo! So, woo! Sat, we do not have our typical SmackDown podcast shout-outs today. No. Those make a return next week okay. as we are in a new month. So that is all that we have here for us today. If, they, if that's all we have, I want to say thank you very much to everyone that watches our podcast. Since we've changed and we now become recorded, I know a lot of people miss the live shows, but I do appreciate everyone that watches the recorded ones and we enjoy your comments. I read every comment. I read everything. I know everything. So I appreciate the, the nice comments and I also appreciate the negative ones. We're all trying to improve and do better. So we appreciate you guys. Your voice are heard. So thank you so much for watching our show. I'm glad to be back. I ain't gonna lie, I'm super tired. I'm trying to, if you can tell that I'm super tired, I am super tired, but I'm happy to be back <laughs> alongside this lovely, lovely man. One of the greatest, best voices in all of wrestling. It is a pleasure for me to do this podcast with you every single Saturday. That's the highlight of doing it, leaving my house to come here and do the show with you. So thank you so much, mate. I appreciate you very much. I'm glad that you are back. I appreciate all of you for tuning in to another edition of the SmackDown Podcast. Before I get out of here real quick, I'm going to plug everything that we've got on Parts Fun Known mm -hmm. right now because we just had another edition of Survival Series go live yesterday. Can you name every Money in the Bank winner? No. So you can, no. You can make <laughs> sure to check that out over on Parts Fun Known right now as well as the uncut version at the $10 and above tier over on Patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk, as well as our brand new show on Parts Fun No No Holds Board, where we played telestrations, but with only wrestling prompts. It was a ton of fun. It was a really great first episode that I'm very happy with. So make sure that you check that out on Parts Fun Known, and you can also see the next episode of that show, one week's early access at the $5 tier on, on uh, patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk, and the uncut version of telestrations over on patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk at the $10 and above tier so make sure you check all of that out we will be back with another episode of the wrestle talk podcast this coming tuesday with our raw review until then i have been tempest that has been sat house of the black mask the house always wins join us next week same site time same site youtube channel <laughs> if it's your birthday today happy freaking birthday to you we will see you next week
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.